Good morning, church. I don't know if I can top that or not. That was awesome. I've never experienced that in a worship service. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. That was awesome. I really enjoyed that. So thanks, Alan, and the rest of the band. That was really cool. For those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Austin Stillwell. I'm a student pastor here. I have some guests this morning, or I don't come to the service most of the time. I go to the 930 so I can go to Sunday school with the teenagers and stuff like that. Um, What that means, I'm a student pastor, that doesn't mean a whole lot. I just get to hang out with the teens and have fun with them. So um, I'm the lowest on the totem pole. Like I was uh, telling Travis a couple days ago, I'm so low, I don't even have a polo yet. I don't get a shirt yet like Alan and Travis and Troy all do. So people don't know who I am. I'm just kind of some random dude who walks around. Um... But um, it's an honor uh, to be able to fill in for uh, Pastor Troy as he's gone on his uh, vacation. He's coming back this week, so he'll be back next Sunday. So if I do a horrible job, just look forward to next Sunday. It'll give you something to look forward to. So I'm just filling in for him. But I know he's had a great time this week, and he appreciates you all letting him off to go have fun with uh, Jonathan as Jonathan starts his new stage of life that Troy gets to spend that time with him. So this morning, if you want to go ahead and turn on over to Romans chapter 16, we're going to be in Romans chapter 16 this morning. And as you're turning there, I just want to kind of preface this book. Um, You know, the uh, Apostle Paul wrote the book of Romans, if you didn't know that. Um, And what he's doing here is he's singing joy. He's joyful. How many of you all have ever been so happy that you've broke out into song? Has anybody ever just, you know, started singing because they're happy or whatever? I guess I'm the only one. Weird. Uh, I got a few. I got a couple. Okay, Uh, good. Uh, So sometimes we just get happy. We get joyful and we choose to just break out in song, whether you had a good report of the doctor or you maybe got a pay raise, praise the Lord for that, um, or whatever it might be, you, you get happy and you sing. And that's exactly what Paul is doing right here. It's only right that he does so because of what he's doing. He's tying off the greatest story ever told. After walking through the grand reasons of God's rescuing love, He sings. He's so joyful that he just breaks out into song. Only a song will do is because he's so joyful. And so with a heart that's full of joy and a mind on fire, Paul writes and sings these words. Romans chapter 16. We're going to look at verses 25 through 27. It says this. It says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the proclamation about Jesus Christ, According to the revelation of the mystery kept silent for long ages, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic scriptures, according to the command of the eternal God to advance the obedience of the faith. Among all the Gentiles, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory forever. Amen. I want you to notice in the last verse, these last phrases here, It sums up, Paul sums up the entire book of Romans. Paul emphasizes one attribute of God. That's his wisdom. Verse 27 says, To the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. So my aim for this message this morning is to open a window in your mind to the infiniteness of God. And particularly, my goal is to display before you the wisdom of God so that you'll see it more clearly. And admire him more intensely and trust him more firmly and therefore obey him more consistently and joyfully. Let's pray this morning. Father, we are just so grateful and just honored to be able to come worship your holy name this morning. 
Father, I pray that right now that you would just uh, use these words, God, that I'm going to say as a vessel for you, Father. Hide me behind the cross, Lord, so that it's you up here, not me. Father, inspire us this morning. Help us to learn something new, God. Help us to open our, our hearts and our minds and eyes and ears open to what you're trying to tell us this morning. Reveal to us something new. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So, as you all know, we're going through a series right now called Building a Family Life Center. Pastor Troy has been speaking the last several weeks over that, and I get to fill in this week for him. And so, when it comes to this family life center, building your family the way that Christ would have it to be, one thing that is important is wisdom. Having wisdom. Having wisdom on for yourself, first of all. And then also having wisdom on how to raise your children. How to raise your grandchildren. How to shepherd your cousins or just your whole family, you know. It's a whole family ordeal. Having that wisdom. And so, this morning, I want to just talk about the wisdom of God and how that plays into this whole family life center mindset. The first thing I want to do this morning is to just to simply define wisdom. Many of us don't know exactly what wisdom is. We think of, well, wisdom is knowledge or whatever it might be. So I want to just take a few moments and try to define that for you. One main statement is going to dominate what I'm going to say for the next several minutes. I want you to take hold of it in your thoughts at first. And then, with the Holy Spirit's enabling, take it with your heart as well. And process it in your heart. The statement is simple and deep. The statement is this. God is infinitely wise. Simple statement. God is infinitely wise. I want to unpack that for a moment. And then we will see that flowing from this truth is a perspective-shaping, anxiety-killing, comfort-giving, prayer-inducing implication that will revolutionize your life as you take it on as your own. As you take that mindset that God is infinitely wise. So I want to start with the definition, just simple definition. Wisdom in the Bible is knowing that the greatest goal... In any situation, and the best way to achieve that goal is wisdom. Wisdom sees the big picture, the focus, what is happening. It's proper relationship to the rest. It knows what's going on. That's, that's wisdom. Wisdom is different from knowledge. Because you can have knowledge without wisdom. Okay? There's a lot of brilliant fools out there. There's a lot of brilliant people who are just fools. That's what they are. But you cannot have wisdom without knowledge. So, because in order to discern the best way to achieve a goal, you have to be able to integrate, to fuse together all kinds of factors from various sources of knowledge and experience. You know, a fool can be smart and have knowledge in any certain area, but to be wise is to have knowledge among all areas, to encompass an area. And so now take this attribute, this wisdom, and think about God. And while you're connecting those dots in your head and in your heart, listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 147, 5. It says this, it says, His understanding is infinite. A simple statement. His understanding is infinite. So, we're seeing here that God's wisdom encompasses everything. Listen to what Daniel says also in Daniel chapter 2. He says this, he says, He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. Nothing is ever a mystery to God. He is never puzzled or confused or uncertain. There's nothing that God does not 
No. Think about a subject. God knows everything there is to know about it. Think about something you have to do at work or something. God knows how to do it. God knows every part of your body. He knows every, how many hairs is on your head. He knows everything. How many stars is in the galaxies? Things that we can't even comprehend that go over our head. God knows because he's all-knowing. You know, and Paul here tries to talk about the wisdom of God. But when he does, it moves to praise. Once again, in Romans chapter 11, he says this. It says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has ever given to him and has to be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory Forever. Amen. That's found in Romans chapter 11, verses 33 36. What the Apostle Paul is saying here is that God's wisdom is deep. So deep that his judgments are unsearchable. I can't get there from here. It's beyond me. You know, God's wisdom is so deep that his ways are untraceable. I can't follow what he's doing without it helplessly being over my head. It's so deep that no one could have been or ever will be his counselor. God doesn't need a counselor. You know, so many times when we have questions or we have struggles, we go to the pastor. That's what they're there for. We have people in our life, our boss at work. We need to learn how to do something. We have a mentor, or a manager, somebody who tells us how to do it. Sometimes those aren't the best of people in the world, but that's what they're supposed to be there for. Um, or we go to our parents still or wherever we go. We go to someone to seek advice. God doesn't have that because God is that. God knows everything. God is all-encompassing. He knows everything there is to know, so he doesn't need that. He's the one that we turn to for wisdom and advice. He's the one that we need. So, in fact, the wisdom of God is so deep and expansive that he does not and cannot increase in wisdom. God can't get smarter. God is already infinitely smart. The only way he can increase his wisdom is for something to come into God's mind that has not already come out of God's mind. But Romans 11.36 insists that this can't be done. For from him and through him and to him are all things. It's already happened. God knows already what has happened. And so his actions, God's actions, are always perfectly wise. There are no upgrades to his wisdom that are needed or even available. I want you to think about this. God is constantly... Working and synthesizing, if I can say, that'd be nice. Um, He's constantly working and doing things in this universe that we don't even know about. He's constantly keeping track of everyone's heartbeats in this room right now. He's constantly keeping track of everybody's breaths. He's constantly thinking about the stars and this earth is moving right now. God is in control of all of that. We can't wrap our minds around that, but that's exactly what God's doing. They're always... He's always in control. No matter what field of knowledge you think about, God is in control of that. He constantly weighs the facts and the implications and the cost and the consequences and how it fits into his purposes with flawless skill. So that what he does or will do is always the best possible move that can be made. And God does this all the time. Without the least strain, without crashing And burning like so many of us do when we think we know it all and we're going full force at it. And then we hit a wall and we basically crash and burn. doesn't happen to God. God's road is always the smoothest road because he knows exactly the path you need to take. And what path you should be going down. I mean, God does this all the time. Constantly. When we're not even thinking about it. And does anybody on earth understand this? No. 
We can't understand. We can't wrap our mind around it because he's totally out of our league. This knowledge and this just this doing is just heaven is just out of our. We can't wrap our minds around it. And that's exactly the way God made us to. Do we trust him more because of that, though? Well, let's see. Let's see if we do. I want to draw out a massive implication from the wisdom of God that is challenging to consider. So I want to ask you, are you ready to hear this this morning, church? First thing I want to say this morning is that God's wisdom is life altering. God's wisdom is life altering. The wisdom of God tells us that God will bring about the best possible results by the best possible means for the most possible people for the longest possible time. Now, I want to say that one more time out loud, church. I really want you to let that sink in. I know it's kind of a long sentence and it's got a lot of the word possibles in it and stuff. But just bear with me because think about what this actually means. The wisdom of God tells us that God will bring about the best possible results by the best possible means for the most possible people for the longest possible time. Now run that around in your present experience, in your heart, in your mind. Take that home with you today and see how it works. What this implication from God's wisdom means is that whatever your life is like right now, God is wisely and sovereignly orchestrating your circumstances to do something inside of you, to do it through you, to do it around you, in your marriage, in your family, in your work, in your school, wherever you are, he's working through you. He's doing that for a reason. He's orchestrating all this so that it could not be accomplished any other way. He's doing it the way he wants it to be done. If there was a better way to accomplish these purposes, then you would be experiencing those other circumstances instead of what you are right now. If there was a kinder, faster, more expedient, more efficient way, God would be using that. So the circumstances you are in right now are exactly what you need for this period in your life. Now, I know what you're saying. You're saying, Austin, that's a very powerful statement to say you don't know what's going on in my life. But let me ask you something this morning. Would it change things for you if you firmly believe that the problem in your life that is pressing and difficult, the ones you don't understand, the ones you can't comprehend, you don't know what God is doing, where he's at, the ones where you feel overwhelmed and you just feel like giving up, are orchestrated or was allowed by an all-wise loving father to bring about the best possible long-lasting results for his glory and your good? Would it make a difference to you this morning, church, if you understood that your life is not God's plan B or plan C, but that it's always and only been plan A. That God is orchestrating through your life exactly the way that he wanted it to be. He designed this specifically for you while you live in this world. You know, some of us like to choose our own path. We say, well, I'm just going to do this or whatever. God has a specific plan for you, though. So if you're obedient to God, you're going to live the life that God wants you to live in. So if you know this, though, if you know how wise this plan is, how would that affect your confidence in God? Would you trust him more? Would you not? You know, what would happen to your anxiety levels? Would they go down? Some of us would probably skyrocket if we know what was going to happen in our life. So what does that do to you this morning? If we start to think about this, this is when we start to push back a little bit, when we start to resist God. When we start to think about that what's happening in our life right now is God's orchestrating or God's doing, we start to say, hold on a minute now, Austin. Hold on. You don't know exactly what's going on in my life. 
You don't know that I got laid off of work this week. You don't know that I'm, I can't pay next month's rent. You don't know that my son died in a car crash several years ago. Or you don't know the cancer diagnosis I got this week. Whatever it might be, we all have different situations going on in our lives. But we're saying, also, you don't know that. These situations can't possibly be what God is doing. But church, let me tell you something this morning. That all across this room... There are circumstances that defy any connection to this teaching. Those circumstances contradict the phrases like best possible, most likely to happen because they're awful. They're scary. Nobody wants to go through those circumstances. They're painful. They hurt. Sometimes there's loss involved. Sometimes it's just pure pain because of the decisions we make. But there are two things this morning that I want to plead with you to consider. Just two things this morning. The first thing is this. Is that remember that our experience of the wisdom of God comes in a fallen world. This world is tainted with sin. You know, this is not the best of all possible worlds. Because one, it lies under the shadow of the fall of man. All creation groans and travails under the mighty shock of the fall when sin entered this world. In this present evil world, God's wisdom does not necessarily shield his children from sin or calamity, nor punish wicked people in their sin. Right now in his wisdom, he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. It's exactly what Matthew 5.45 says. But one day, all will be set right. Right now, this world is messed up. This world is disturbed by sin. It's tainted by sin. It's messed up. Up, But one day all will be set right. Point number two. Is that remember that God's wisdom. Remember the wisdom of God in securing your salvation. Do you believe that God has secured your salvation? You know. Everything about God's plan to save us through Christ looked doomed to fail. I want you to think about the circumstances of Christ's. Salvation and like the crucifixion and all that. We have a teenage girl who was who went to a stable in this little flea bag town to have a child, a carpenter's son. Think about that. I want you to consider the disciples that Jesus chose to be his followers, who would be his right hand men through everything. Think about those people. They were not the top of the class. People, you know, they weren't some Harvard graduates or some great theologians by any means. They were some rough neck people they were tax collectors they were they were fishermen they were horrible people some of them were at times but god went and chose them and they were obedient to what god had called them to do but the most foolish move of all listen to this was the crucifixion bear with me here first corinthians 1 21 through 24 connects this for us says this it says for since in god's wisdom the world did not know god through wisdom So in other words, God rejected the possibility of salvation by human intellect and wisdom. We will see why in this next part of the part of the verse. It says this, it says, you know, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of the message preached. For the Jews asked for signs and the Greeks asked for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called both Jews and Greeks Christ is God's power and wisdom. In God's infinite wisdom, he chose a way of salvation 
that through Christ that looks totally insane to us, we don't comprehend why you would send the Son of God to come live on this earth, this horrible earth, when he could have been living in heaven the whole time. Why he would send his Son to be mocked, to be scorned, to be beaten, to be made fun of. He sent his own son to do that. It's foolish in our minds why you would do that. Would you want that for your child? Think about that. He did that so that we could have life eternal. No one on earth would have come up with a plan involving the brutal murder of their child like God did. Yet at precisely the most foolish looking moment, God's wisdom triumphs. And at the point of his greatest weakness, God's power is unleashed. Verse 25 says, Because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. So in God's all-wise plan, in His all-knowing plan, this was the perfect way to achieve the greatest goal. So you're saying, what goal? We'll skip ahead to verse 31 here. It says, Therefore, as it is written, the one who boasts must also boast in the Lord. This is what His wisdom was aiming at. God chose us. He purchased us. He called us. And he's given to us everything that we need for our salvation. In such a way as to strip us of the self-congratulation and replace it with only glory in the Lord. We can't earn our salvations by ourselves. He did that for a reason. Because no one would ever be good enough to earn their salvation. As much as we might think, well, well, we've taught this Sunday school class for 30 years, Austin. I've worked in VBS for, you know, 10 years now. And I've been a deacon at the church for so many years, blah, blah, blah. None of that is good enough to get you to heaven. And that's why God did what he did. You know, I make this point for a reason. You and I don't know enough to fathom why pain and suffering And this just injustice and brutality happens to us in the sin-wrecked world. The pain that you've experienced, the injustice, the brutality, the just the mocking or whatever you've gone through, we don't understand it. Just like we don't understand why God would send his son, his own child, to be beaten for us, to die for us. We don't understand that. You know, but in the end... God simply points out that in the grand scope of things, we know nothing. That no matter how much you think you might know, no matter how many degrees you have, how much work experience you have in a certain field, you do not know everything. God is the one who knows everything. When it comes to divine wisdom, we haven't been there and we haven't done that like God has. God has been there. He's done that. He knows everything and he always has and he always will. God is infinitely smart. Simple as that. You know, it takes time, though, and repeated lessons and humility to to bring us to the place where we rest in His wisdom and trust His plan. It takes time. We don't want to naturally say, well, God, you know best for me. You know, I'm going to follow your will exactly. Lord, praise the Lord for you. All this stuff. We don't naturally do that because of our sin nature. It's our... It's our nature to say, I'm going to do this because this is what I want to do. I'm going to do this because I feel like this is the best plan. God, you don't know what I need. God, you don't know the pain that I'm having in my life right now. So it takes time and repeated lessons and humility to bring us to this point where we can say, God, you know what? You do know the best plan for me. And so in order to live a wise mentality, wise living starts with fearing the Lord. You can't be a fool 
and serve the Lord and know the Lord the way that he wants you to. Proverbs 1, seven. it's probably a verse you know very, very well. Proverbs 1, seven says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fearing the Lord is basically this. You recognize that God is the creator, your master, and the Lord of all. He is holy and awesome, and he calls the shots. That you don't get to do that. You're not the creator. You didn't create this world. You didn't create this universe. You don't get to call the shots. We have to realize that. We have to recognize that. Because when we do that, we realize just how sovereign God is. That God did set this plan into motion. He's in charge of all the galaxies in the universe. And every single thing that's working together in this room. Our lives. God is in control of that. And when we realize that, if we're being honest, it should intimidate us a little bit. We should be, wow, like God, you know what? You are a mighty God. And we should be fearful to sin. We should not want to sin and desire to live a sinful lifestyle because of how mighty God is and knowing what God could do to us. That is where the the wisdom begins. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge. And so, in response, you willingly submit yourself to Him and His plan to your life. You're saying, God... Why would I want to serve anybody else? Why would I want to do anything else? You say, God, I just want to submit to your will. Without this, there's no wisdom. It starts with salvation and it continues in humility. You know, and this applies to the whole Building a Family Life Center series. Because in our families, we need to figure out how to apply what you have learned about Jesus, what we've learned, and then make yourself and your family do it. Teach that to your children. Teach that to you. If you don't have children, teach that to the rest of your family. Then push it on over into your workplace. You know, if you know what you're supposed to be doing, then why aren't you doing it? It starts with learning about God's word and asking for that wisdom, just like reading your Bible, praying to God, asking him for these things, and then applying it. That is where wise living starts. Because if we know God's word and we fear God, then we're going to want to do it. We're not just going to want to come to church and listen to another sermon being preached, give your tithe check, go home, whatever you might do. And then on Monday, start just like every other week. If you fear the Lord, if you're wise and you're listening to these things, you're going to apply them to your life. You're going to do what God's word says to do. You're not just going to say, well, Austin, somebody else will teach that Sunday school class. Somebody else will witness to this coworker. It's okay. You know, there's somebody who talks a lot better than I do that I'll get around to it one day. I'll invite him to church next Sunday. Or you know what, Austin? I give money. It's okay. You know, I I give a little money for the youth to go to camp and stuff like that. You know, I pour into them. That's good. You know, that's good. I'm glad you do that. But listen, that's not enough. Because God calls us to actually go. God calls us to actually do. And so if you're coming to church every Sunday and you're reading your Bible every day of the week like you're supposed to be, are you applying those things? Are you living the life that God's called you to live? Because if you're not... Let me ask you this this morning. Why does it matter? If you're coming to church and you're living this Christian life and you're reading your Bible, but you're not doing it, why are you doing it? Like, why are you, do, why are you investing time into church? Why are you investing time into reading your Bible? If it doesn't mean anything to you, it doesn't matter. This Bible means nothing without application. It's all about doing it in your life. That's what Christ wants us to do. And so this morning, I want to challenge you to 
take these things that you read in the Bible and to take these words that I'm saying and what Pastor Troy says every week and what your Sunday school teacher teaches you every week and to apply them. Because we should be fearful of the Lord and that's where wise living starts. The second, second thing that we can learn from this is that wise living grows by receiving God's word. I kind of went on that tangent just a while ago. But wise living grows by receiving God's word. Psalm 19.7 says this. It says, The instruction of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. Nothing can match the Bible for showing you the mind of God. The more you sink root into God's word, the more wisdom that will mark your life. The more you pick up this Bible and you read it, the smarter you're going to get. If you never pick it up, if you just leave it sitting on the shelf, you're never going to grow in your wisdom of God. You're saying, you know, well, Austin, I'm just not experienced. I don't really understand it. Whatever you might be. That's not an excuse. You can understand it. There's different translations of the Bible for a reason. You can pick up one and understand it. Go ask Pastor Troy. Come talk to me about it. That's what we're here for as well, to help you to understand things. Whatever it might be. But the more you sink roots into this Bible, the more wisdom it's going to mark your life. Because you don't have to be experienced to be wise. Literally, the verse just says, making the inexperienced wise. That you can become wise if you put in the effort. The third thing is this. Wise living requires that we ask for it specifically. James 1, 5, and 6 says this. It says, now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously without criticizing, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. So in other words, you don't come to God for a second opinion. We come to God and say, overwrite this, your wisdom on my heart, Lord. Whatever you show me, I will follow. It's not coming to God saying, God, you know, if you could fix this, that would be great. God, I'd like to ask for, you know, I heard what my friend at work said, but, you know, I just kind of get, like to get your second opinion just to prove that or whatever. That's not how it works, church. We should go to God first and foremost for everything. And then whenever we get that, get whatever God's trying to tell us, actually saying, God, you know what? Overwrite that on my heart. Let me to know that. Because sometimes we're saying, well, God, you know, okay, God, I, I know what you're saying, but... I'm, I'm still going to do this. I think this is a better plan. That's a good plan, God, but mine's better. For being honest, that's the way we think a lot of the times. Church, we have to let God overwrite these things on our heart. Overwrite your wisdom on this, Lord. Whatever you show me, I will follow. So in conclusion this morning, I want to end on a quote by A.W. Tozer in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy One. He wrote these words about God's wisdom in our lives. Bear with me. It's a, it's a paragraph, but just listen to these words as best you can. It says this, it says, To believe actively that our Heavenly Father constantly spreads around providential circumstances that work for our present good and our everlasting well-being brings to the soul a benediction. Most of us go through life praying a little, planning a little, jockeying for position, hoping but never being quite certain of anything, and always secretly afraid that we will miss the way. This is a tragic waste of truth and never gives rest to the heart. There is a better way. It's to repudiate your own wisdom and to instead take the infinite wisdom of God. God has charged himself with full responsibility for our eternal happiness and stands ready to take over the management of our lives the moment we turn to faith in him. 
Now, some of you just spaced out. I understand. That's okay. So I'm going to sum that up for you um, in a sentence. What, what Tozer is saying here is that so many times we go through life and we have a difficult situation. And we say, God, I know you're there. I'm going to pray about this. I hope you can fix it, but I really don't think you can. I really don't think you can take this cancer away from me. God, you can't really pay my bills. You know, you're not here. You can't just randomly give me money. I don't know how I'm going to get by, but I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to ask for prayer for it. So it sounds like I'm doing my Christian job. It sounds like I'm being the Christian that I'm supposed to be. But in all actuality, in the back of your head, you're saying that there's no hope. There's no hope for me, Austin. There's no hope. My marriage is failing. It's gone. There's no hope for it. There's no hope for my mom who's dying of cancer. There's no hope that I can pay rent next month. There's no hope that I can keep my job where I'm at. That's our mindset. We know, but we know that we say that we know that God is this wise God and this all-knowing God. And yes, he set this planet into motion. He created me. He knows every heartbeat that goes on in my body. But yet we don't think God can handle these situations. We don't think that God can pay your water bill. We don't think that God can bring your marriage back together for some reason. That's the way we think. That's our mindset. Because we don't have confidence in God. We have to learn how to be confident in the Lord. We have to quit having the mentality that you don't really think he will come through for you. We have to stop with that mentality of, well, God, I know you're there, but you know I'm still doing this thing on my own. That's a hard thing to do. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's the easiest thing to do by any means because it's our natural instinct to doubt God. But we shouldn't. And I struggle with it just as much as anybody else does, just like you guys. But we have to learn how to take the steps in order to trust God's promise that he's going to come through for us. And that starts with having wisdom in God. That starts with fearing the Lord, realizing what he's done and how powerful and sovereign he is. And gaining that wisdom, asking for wisdom from God, because the more wisdom you have for God, have from God, the more you're going to trust God and say, God, you know what? You're a smart dude. I think you got this. And you're going to be able to trust him in your life. And so to sum this up today, ask for wisdom in your life. As we wrap this message up about wisdom and this whole family life center series for today, we have to learn how to ask for wisdom. If we're going to be a family, a actual family, a church family, a work community, wherever you are, we have to learn how to ask for wisdom. We have to learn to, to realize that we're not smart enough to do anything on our own, really. That's why God compares us to sheep. Sheep are dumb. That's why he compares us to that. We're not smart enough to do anything on our own. We have to learn how to ask for wisdom and realize that we can't do this on our own. We have to realize that we need to be confident in God, that he's going to take care of us, that no matter what we're going through, that his plan will prevail. His plan will prevail for us. We have to ask for wisdom for ourselves. Ask for wisdom for your children, for your grandchildren, for your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, whoever it is you know that you're close to and your rest of your family. Ask for that wisdom. Ask for wisdom to raise your children the right way. And you know, I talk about all this wisdom today and how powerful God is and all this, but maybe you're saying, God, Austin, I don't really understand what you're talking about. I don't really understand this whole wisdom thing. I don't know what you're talking about and who, who really God is. And so maybe today you need to come find out. 
Why don't you come talk to me? Go talk to Travis. Go talk to one of the deacons. That's fine. I don't care who you talk to. It's not about me talking to you. Come talk to Alan. That's fine. But find out. Because there's, there's something there in store for you that the moment you accept Christ as your Savior, you have power to this wisdom that only God can provide. You have that spirit. You have that, that enabling to do so. And so if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior today, come, come talk to me. I'd love to talk to you about it and what that means for your life. And then some of you, maybe you've been a Christian for 40 years. So you've been a member of this church since 1900. I don't know. But you've been a Christian since you came out of the womb. I don't know. But are you doing what God's called you to do? Are you asking for this wisdom? Are you actually applying this wisdom to your life? Are you reading God's word? Are you listening to sermons and saying, you know what? I'm going to take that advice and I'm going to go apply it. I'm going to go be the Christian God's called me to be. I'm going to ask for this wisdom because the more wisdom I have, the more confidence I can have in my God. And why wouldn't you want more confidence in God? Why would you want to serve a God you don't have any confidence in? And so today, church, as we close out, ask for wisdom because it's there. We just have to ask for it and actually trust it and actually believe that he's going to prevail for us and believe that he can give us that and he's going to come through for us just like he always has and he always will. Let's pray this morning. Father, we're grateful to serve a God who is just so mighty and powerful. God, who is sovereign, who spoke this world into creation. God, but we know that that very breath that spoke this earth into creation God also is the same breath that created us God that you know the number of hairs on our head God you know the how many times we breathe a day God you know how many stars are in the galaxy and all that God it's humbling God I pray that we would come to you with a grateful heart God knowing that we can seek that same wisdom God in our lives if we're just obedient to you God if we ask for these things God so I pray that we would come to you with just a humble heart Saying, God, give us this wisdom, God, because we can't do this on our own. God, we can't live this life on our own. God, we need your path. God, so set before us the path that we need to follow. God, I pray that if there's anybody in this room today who doesn't know you, who doesn't know you as their Savior, God, I pray that they would get that taken care of today, God. Convict their hearts, God, so they would talk to someone. God, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.